Chapter One of The Whispering Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Whispering Man by Henry Kitchell Webster. Chapter One Not in the Papers it is strange that we should have been talking about dr marshall that very night i and my new friend and neighbor across our little table in the restaurant talking about him we were and at considerable length too before i bought the paper that had the news of his death in it but after all it had come about naturally enough jeffrey and i had made friends i think for the simple reason that we were about as unlike as any two moderately intelligent and successful young men could be well there's no use in stretching my own modesty to cover jeffrey's position too he at least was more than moderately successful in his vocation which was that of a painter as to intelligence it was a discussion of that very subject which had led to the introduction of dr marshall's name arthur jeffrey was an illustrious monument to the deceitfulness of appearances he looked like a rising young stockbroker except among people whom he could really call his friends he made no impression and aimed to make none except that of a brisk alert well-mannered perfectly dressed young man whose habitat for seven hours of the day was no doubt somewhere below chambers street i think it would have been hard to induce the desk clerk at the fashionable apartment building off madison square where we both lived to believe that jeffrey when he emerged from the elevator so promptly at half-past eight every morning went uptown instead of down to a big barn-like studio where he painted pictures whose queerness and daring were making him the talk of new york but if he was all commonplace on the outside he was pure genius within i have never known a man who as deliberately and consciously abandoned the faculties of logic and reason which he nevertheless possessed in a high degree in favour of the more hazardous flight of fancy i suppose it was because he discovered no streak at all of genius in me that he took a fancy to me what reputation i may have attained for myself as a lawyer and as the author of a large calf-bound text-book on evidence has come to me through the exercise of the very faculty to which my friend was fond of alluding in terms of such contempt the faculty of thinking straight and consecutively it seems he had heard possibly from myself although i am inclined to doubt it of this textbook of mine on evidence and some unaccountable freak had induced him to buy and read it during the hour we had sat there over our dinner he had amused himself and me by attacking with a wealth of audacious paradox one after another of the principles of evidence which my book contained they were not for the most part principles which i had formulated myself many of them were as old as the common law but the most venerable of them all was none the safer on that account from my friend's attack what does the best evidence in the world amount to anyway when it comes to that he concluded it's utterly meaningless except when it's tied on behind some theory like the tail on a kite 
as for expert testimony there's only one kind of true expert and he is just an inspired guesser no more no less come said i take for instance dr roscoe marshall who is perhaps the leading alienist in the united states he has probably taken the stand as an expert in more insanity cases than any other man well go and buy his book and read it his book on mental and nervous diseases you'll find it more interesting than mine and see how much guesswork you think there is about that why what's the matter with you what are you chuckling about for my friend sat there enjoying a silent laugh all to himself as if what i had just said had been something exquisitely amusing drew he said at last never argue with a man who always has the luck on his side you are delivered straight into my hands by your own illustration i don't see how said i no but you will listen i painted a portrait of mrs marshall this spring she's a great beauty by the way she must be at least twenty-five years younger than her husband did you ever see her yes said i i know her rather well she's his second wife well that has nothing to do with the point marshall liked the picture a lot so much that he offered to pay me more than the price i had agreed to paint it for of course i wouldn't take that but i asked him a favour instead i wanted some casts made of his hands he has the finest hands i ever saw he finally assented and i've got them up at the studio now i'll show them to you some time well that has nothing to do with the point either the advantage of not pretending to be logical is that you can wander around as much as you like anyway that's how it happens that i was talking to this famous expert of yours only this morning i had happened to tell him once that i believed that i always knew a criminal when i saw one without knowing how or why by just looking at him he didn't scout that theory as you would if i were to give you the chance he said he would recognize an insane man in the same way he said that only the other day a man came into his office to consult him about some little nervous affection he had the man's manner was quiet composed to the normal eye perfectly normal but he knew just by looking at him that the man was mad mad as a march hare in a year or less he was willing to stake his professional reputation that man would turn into an out-and-out lunatic the queer part of it was he said this patient was a doctor himself and he obviously never dreamed of his condition that's a rather grisly idea i commented but that's what you say about yourself that you can spot a criminal in the same way just by looking at him oh i shan't attempt to make you believe it said geoffrey easily yet if it weren't against my principles i could offer some evidence to prove it waive the principles without prejudice said i and give me an instance did you know that i was once a newspaper artist he asked me of course i came out strong at murder trials in such places where the staff photographers couldn't get in in that famous marshbanks trial do you remember it 
i attended every session of court and i knew who the real criminal was from the first moment if i had been the judge instead of bothering to select a jury composed of the twelve stupidest men in the city i should simply have pointed out the respectable gentleman who was the star witness for the state and said take him out and electrocute him and that would have been the end of it it wouldn't have taken ten minutes it came to the same thing in the end but it took two years to do it and wrecked an innocent man's life in the bargain and you believed all the while i repeated incredulously that mcwilliams was the man not believed knew oh i don't know how that's the whole point that's what i've been preaching all the evening the only certain knowledge is the inspired guess there wasn't much room for argument with a man who took that position and i was glad when the arrival of a small newsboy crying the eight o'clock extras in the street outside afforded an opportunity to change the subject it was a warm evening toward the latter part of may and the doors were open so i called him in we'll get down to something important i explained as i did so we'll see how the baseball games come out but the black headlines that caught my eye had nothing to do with our great national game i was conscious while i stared at them of a queer sensation that might almost be called a presentiment that's rather curious considering said i handing the paper over to him for the item of news i had read there which tried to make up by the size and blackness of its type for the meagreness of detail which it afforded was that dr roscoe marshall the famous alienist and specialist in nervous diseases had been found dead in his office chair at half-past twelve o'clock that afternoon we made some pretense at reading the rest of the news and talking about indifferent subjects but neither my mind nor his succeeded in getting very far away from the main theme finally after a little silence i remarked there is this to be said of him he was absolutely on the square nobody in the world had money enough to get him to cut an opinion to fit the brief there are precious few experts who won't do that the state attorney's office will miss him well said geoffrey i am glad i've got those casts of his hands they are both distinguished the right and the left one i never saw such a pair it occurred to both of us i think that we were treating the memory of an illustrious citizen rather inadequately of course said geoffrey i knew him very little you knew him rather well didn't you on the contrary not well at all i know her knew her i should say as i've hardly seen her since she married him i knew her rather well in other words said geoffrey you were once in love with her well that's natural enough it was natural enough i think that all the men who ever enjoyed the privilege of knowing madeline cartwright well were more or less in love with her and i had been no exception to the rule the rule which i was an exception to was that the men who fell in love with her generally got over it when they found that their feelings toward her were not reciprocated i was in the habit of assuring myself with a good deal more confidence than i actually felt that i had got over it too but i had never gone so far as to be able to imagine for one moment that i was in love with anybody else 
at all events i had made small progress toward carrying out her injunctions of a half a dozen years ago that i go away and forget about her she had said it in perfectly good faith but she had said other things on that memorable night that would have made forgetting impossible to any but a man of brass we don't miss it by very much cliff she had said i have hoped to come to feel toward you the way you feel toward me i'd like to if i could and i have well kept you along in the hope that i might but it's no use we don't miss by so very much but we do miss somehow some day a man may ask me whom there is no question about i don't know if there is such a man in the world or not but if there isn't i shall never marry cliff well i wish to heaven she had kept to that resolution after that i had pretended to her and to myself as well that my feeling toward her had cooled down into the comfortable sort of affectionate regard which she felt for me i think my pretense deceived her though it never was very successful in deceiving myself it was about two years ago now that she had confided to me that she thought of marrying dr marshall and had asked me what i thought of him of course i had not committed myself on a dangerous subject like that but she had no difficulty in seeing i imagine that i regarded it as a mistake so it was altogether natural that when she went ahead and did it anyway our relationship should have lapsed of course i said nothing of all this to geoffrey but i did not deny the validity of the guess he had hazarded i would like to know what you thought of him said i or rather what you thought of them together he was ready enough to talk at all events take it all together i think she's in luck they were a queerly matched couple oh disparity of years had nothing to do with it they fascinated each other about equally but while he was really in love with her as well as he knew how to be and no man could be with her every day and not be that i think that in the core of her heart she hated him hated i cried in protest come draw it mild not a bit of it he resumed marcia was a queer mixture he was a cold sort of fish i admitted but not like the other cold fishes most people are cold just because they can't understand understanding sympathetic people are nearly always warm-hearted if you can really stand in another man's shoes and see how the world looks to him it generally makes you like him but it didn't have that effect on the doctor he saw through everybody knew why they laughed at this and cried at that knew how the world must look to them but that knowledge never warmed him up a bit human souls were just so many specimens to him possessed of more or less scientific interest his wife's was the most interesting one of his collection but that's all it came to why of course she hated him somewhere along in this conversation we had left the restaurant and started strolling across the square toward the atlas where our apartments were its brilliantly lighted entrance was now in plain view in the full light of one of the great ornamental outside lamps we could see two persons in apparently earnest conversation one was the hall boy you could tell him even at this distance by the glitter of his cut steel buttons the other figure looked familiar too though i probably should not have recognized it had it not been for the present theme of our conversation 
i quickened my pace a little do you know said i to my companion i believe that's his son there now marshall's what's he doing here i can't imagine unless he's come to see me he's been attending a course of evening lectures i give at the law school and i've come to know him pretty well in the course of the last few months he'll take this hard i suspect harder than anybody else come they'll have told him i'm not there and i'm afraid he won't wait do you mind hurrying a little but the figure had disappeared in the dark before we had come near enough to attract his attention too bad you wasn't a minute sooner sir said the hall boy as we came up there was a gentleman here very anxious to see you ah there he comes back now i wheeled around to confront a white-faced young man with wildly haggard eyes mr drew he cried i've found you at last i grasped his hand and his shoulder at the same time to steady him you needn't tell me said i i've seen the papers do you want me i'll do anything i can of course yes he said mrs marshall does and i do too she suggested sending for you i've an electric cab here waiting can you come at once in two minutes said i i turned to make my excuses to jeffrey but found him listening in his turn to the conversation of the hall boy there's a gentleman waiting for you in the reception room sir he's been here some time says you expected him send him up to my apartments said jeffrey i know who he is and without turning in our direction he walked straight to the elevator young marshall and i made no attempt to talk until we were rolling along uptown in the late physician's electric brougham the relation between marshall and me was hardly that of pupil and professor that is a relation i like to avoid and in this young man's case i had succeeded we were almost like older and younger brother i laid my hand on his shoulder i know there's nothing i can say that will make it any easier he gave a sort of dry sob at that and my grip on his shoulder tightened he was shuddering all over the impression i got was one of horror rather than of grief somehow you don't know he said when he had commanded his voice it isn't in the papers not the worst of it and then he turned and looked at me full in the face and the wildness of his eyes startled me it isn't in the papers yet he repeated but it will be i think oh more than that i know my father was murdered End of chapter 1